Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Today, our guest is John Capella, which I hope I pronounced that correctly, who is the Vice President for Porsche North America, where he oversees operations for privately owned Porsche dealers in what they refer to as Area East, which spans the great states of Maine to Virginia and I believe West Illinois. I hope I have that right. Welcome, John, to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Joanne. It's a pleasure to be here and congratulations on this great uh, podcast series. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have fun with it. I have fun with it. So I've had the pleasure of working with you and your team in the real world class I teach at NYU. So I've gotten to know you a little bit. But one of the fun things that I find in doing these podcasts is that I always like to, I always learn something new. So before we start talking about all things automotive, I like to start with asking, where are you from? Well, I am from Canada originally, actually. I, uh, to be specific, Toronto, Canada, born and raised there. Uh, my heritage is Italian, as you, you might be able to tell from my last name, but uh, proud Canadian and uh, moved to New York in April of 2019 and been loving it here. I mean, obviously, the last uh, little while, the last year has been a bit, uh, a bit of a different type of experience, but really enjoying it here now in the U.S. as well. Yes, I was I was um, out and about on uh, the only non-rainy day we had over Memorial Day. And it was like, wow, like New York is back. It was just absolutely jammed. It's, it's great. I'm out quite often. I live uh, in Brooklyn here in Williamsburg. And uh, it's great, great access to a lot of the things that uh, New York has to offer, both uh, here around me in Williamsburg and also quickly into the uh, into Manhattan. It's uh, really great to see and perfect timing as well with spring. I know. I, I, I could not agree. I could not agree more. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are right now? Absolutely. I, uh, automotive has always been a passion for me. And uh, mm-hmm. growing up as a kid, it was always in our, in our family. My mom worked for a dealership. My dad was always tinkering with cars, bought us a couple of go-karts, uh, cousins and, and all of that were always into cars. So it was really a passion. And uh, as I finished university in 99, you know, you start to think, okay, what are you going to do with your career? A uh, job as an automotive consultant uh, came up and uh, all my friends all went into banking. I took that job and it really <laughs> kind of got me into this, you know, into this area. And I love it. And uh, worked with one great brand for the first part of my career, which was BMW. Uh, from 99 to 2011. And then at that point, I moved to Porsche in Canada and uh, have been loving this brand. So very fortunate to be working in an industry that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, no, it's um, it's always a plus when you when you like the the, the actual product and the actual brand that that you're working for, and you've worked for really, in my humble little opinion, what I consider luxury and top of the line automotive. So that makes it even more fun. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do, what it means to be the VP? For good, good question. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, as Vice President Area East, I'm really responsible for sales and customer experience and the development of the Porsche brand in uh, in the areas that I represent and the states that I represent. As you mentioned, uh, we go as far west as uh, Wisconsin and uh, Illinois, and uh, on the east, of course, we have uh, Boston, Maine, and then I go down as far as uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, 71 dealerships, uh, all independently owned, and so really my job and my team's job is to work with those dealerships in delivering an excellent uh, experience to our customers and, uh, of course, hitting our objectives that we have, whether it be sales or, or customer experience. And, uh, and then also looking into the future and working on development opportunities as well. Where do we see opportunities with uh, new points in the market? Where do we see additional potential uh, in the market? We also have a marketing department as well. Uh, we do a lot of really cool stuff, which I think you're familiar with. Uh, we have a lot of drive events, a really extensive drive event program that we oversee here in Area East, which complements the great drive programs that the National Marketing Department works on. Uh, so it's a little bit of everything uh, and essentially working with a lot of people. 71 dealerships uh, across the area, is, uh, it's a really you know pretty sizable footprint. Um, we're about 30 to 32% in terms of sales in the United States. So it's a good portion of, uh, of the, uh, sales business in, uh, in, in Porsche in the United States as well. And we like to have a lot of fun while we're doing it as well. So. I mean, we just say, say the word Porsche and it's like, if you, I think fun, but you, um, you're really in one of those positions where you have more than one customer. You have the customer who's buying the Porsche, and then you also have the customer is your dealer and and kind of bridging those two. So, You know, I, I, I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, we absolutely do have uh, two customers, We, as you, as you just mentioned. We're always looking out to the end customer, uh, but we're not really interacting with them. In my previous role, I was. I, I ran a dealership in Toronto for Porsche. Uh, but uh, in this particular case, we're sort of one step removed and we're working with those dealerships that are working with our customers day to day. And of course, they are our customer as well. Um, we need to be there to support them in various aspects and, and make sure we're setting them up for success. That's one thing I often say is we we need to do our best to set them up for success and make sure they have the tools to deliver the experience that we're looking for. Because that's really what Porsche to me is. Porsche is, I, I guess that's kind of like in, in my next my next question. Because when I think of Porsche, and I love that I clarified that it is Porsche for those who are listening. It is not Porsche. The pr- proper pronunciation is Porsche because there always seems to be an argument going on about that. Um, I, I think of a very unique experience. I, I think it's a brand, to me, it's a brand that's in, in a class by itself. And because I'm old, <laughs> I think Porsche and I think Porsche 911 <laughs> because it's kind of, kind of the classic, icon. your icon. It, what is it about Porsche that has made it such a unique brand in, in the industry? Well, if you start with the 911, it's a car that's really unlike no other in the marketplace. It's uh, it's really the only car with the the engine behind the rear axle, which gives it a very unique uh, design. Uh, a lot of people will look at the 911 silhouette and they'll point to that as as what a sports car looks like. Uh, the driving dynamics as well is, is something that is just really special and unlike anything else that you can drive. So it really comes down to the experience you get when you sit inside that car and drive it. 
Um, and, and that's why we do so many of these track events. We, we always want to get people behind the seat of our cars. And uh, we always see these, these wonderful, amazing smiles when they come out because there's the fun experience to drive. There's also the history and heritage with the brand that's also exciting. People really immerse themselves in uh, what we are about and what we've been about. And, of course, now looking into the future, we have to take that DNA that, that iconic DNA that we have in the 911. And over the last few decades, we've been expanding that to other segments. And really something that we always talk about is that we want to be the sports car in every segment that we uh, are, are in. So whether it's a Cayenne, a Macan, and now the Taycan, these are all new segments that we've really explored and, and entered, but we still maintain that we are the sports car within those segments. Uh, so when you get behind the seat of a, or behind the wheel of a, of a Cayenne and you can bring it to a track, and I've done laps in a Cayenne, I've done laps in a Macan, and yes, they're SUVs, but they're a lot of fun to drive around those tracks. That's the, the DNA that comes from the 911. And that's in a nutshell yeah, what we're about. Yeah, that's the thing that makes me, I don't know, again, Maybe I'm just being uh, thinking like an old person on this, but when I hear these conversations about driverless cars, to me, it's the driving of the car that is the experience. And that's part of what makes driving a car fun, as opposed to this is going to do it all by itself. Or, you know, I might as well sit in the back seat. That's my feeling is that if I'm not going to drive, <laughs> then I should be sitting in the back seat of an Uber. Yeah, we don't like sitting in the back seats. Many people do, and we have very comfortable back seats and, and all of that. But I mean, it's an interesting discussion to have with regards to driverless cars. I think uh, Porsche will always be about. I think, as far as I know, and in the, the DNA that I know, it's a it's a car that you drive. But as technology advances, there's a lot of things that if you take a, por a brand new Porsche today and you, you, know, you brought it back 30 years ago and you showed uh, a Porsche customer back then, this is what a Porsche would be, they would probably be amazed and think, wow, I never would have thought, for example, Porsche would have an electric car. Uh, they maybe would have thought it would always be uh, a petrol gasoline powered car. So we have to always evolve. And that's one thing that is also in our DNA is you know, the, the saying is, you know, Porsche is wouldn't be the same if it wasn't changing. So we, we have to continue to change. And when it comes to something being driverless, you know, we do have a lot of uh, driver aids, for example, in our cars today. I often will take uh, some long trips sometimes when I'm going back to Canada. And, of course, we have adaptive cruise control. When I'm cruising for, you know, four hours uh, without a break in a Panamera, I like that technology because it's helping me. And of course, when I get through the, the parts of the, the drive that are twisty and there's, you know, beautiful roads and such, I'll take it off and, and enjoy the experience of driving. But I like having that option. And I think as technology advances, people will want that option because I think the greatest luxury in life is time. And it's, it's mm -hmm. really the, the one thing you can't buy. And if technology can help you gain a little bit of that time back, then I think that's something people will want. And so when you're stuck in traffic and you're just sort of going, you know, inch by inch uh, during rush hour to be able to flip a switch, I think, and this is you know, my own opinion here, not Porsche's opinion, I think that that's something people would want. But they would want that switch to turn it off as well when they go for those beautiful rides and things open up a little bit. So I think there's room for both, I guess, is my comment on that. 
That's why you're so well suited for your job with all of these customers. Um, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about your commitment because the company's made a huge commitment to EVs. And if you're listening and you're not sure what that stands for, that is electric vehicles. Um, I read that the expectation is to be 80% fully electric or partially electric by 2030. I hope I have that right. Can you talk about that? Again, the first car that we've launched, of course, is the Taycan at the very end of 2019. Uh, we've been selling it uh, throughout 2020 and now into 2021. We're really starting to see the momentum pick up as the, the full Taycan model line has uh, expanded. We have our Taycan uh, rear-wheel drive, uh, and then we'll go all the way up to the Turbo S, which is the top end. Uh, within the Taycan range. And uh, it's really building momentum as the awareness of that car has uh, really grown. And it's our first step. We have already announced that we have a couple of other models, existing models that will eventually uh, move towards electric, all electric. The Macan, for example, was recently uh, communicated as well at some point in the near future move to full electric and uh, there's other models that are in the pipeline uh, to, to speak to the number that you mentioned 80 percent by uh, 2030 that is the future i don't think we're the only brand we're doing this i know we're not the only brand you see this in the automotive press there's a lot of activity right now you know, really in the last six months, more than ever, there's just so many brands out there right now that are launching electric cars or have announced plans to launch a full suite of electric cars, replace their entire fleets with electric cars. And in addition to that, we have governments that are really accelerating, uh, whether it be incentives uh, and also, more importantly, in my opinion, the charging infrastructure. And that's probably one of our greatest uh, opportunities here is we need the charging infrastructure to develop further, particularly in the area that I'm in, in the Northeast here. Uh, in New York, we really need a lot more charging stations. Um, not There's not as many options for home charging, particularly there's a lot of homes here that do not have their own driveway or garage. So people are going to need access to public charging. And that's something that uh, we need to really work on. That's not just obviously from an automotive company standpoint, but uh, the, the wider spectrum here with regards to governments and such. So, but I think it's, ha it's coming, it's happening. We see it. Um, there's charging stations being put in every day. All of our dealerships are investing substantial amounts of money to install charging stations at the dealership so they can fully charge the car. And then you as a customer, when you uh, show up, you can charge as well. Think about it. You don't have dealerships with uh, a gas pump in front of them, but we will have every single dealership with a fast charging uh, system in place that you can drive up to and get a, a full charge or an 80% charge in 15, 20 minutes, depending on the conditions. So it's it, the momentum really in the last six months has really accelerated. It's pretty fascinating. And we've seen that also with the adoption and sales of our of our Taycan models. Uh, we're having record months. Certainly in the last three months, we've had record sales with regards to Taycan here in many of our cities that I represent. And uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting car to drive. I was fortunate to have one for six weeks. And uh, it's very much a different experience, but yet still true to the Porsche DNA. 
uh, it, uh, it attracts a lot of attention more than uh, almost any car that I've driven because it's, it's a design. You know, when you're designing an electric car, there's a lot less boundaries for designers. So the, the car designers love it because you can do a lot more things because the packaging is very different. You don't have to worry about where to put the engine and, and all of that. So that's why they look so different and so unique when they're driving on the road. So it's very exciting. Uh, the performance, and that's, of course, what's the critical aspect for, for Porsche, the performance is there. And we have right now, in fact, even today, there's one session um, going on right now where we've taken the, the Taycons to various tracks around the Northeast here, and we're getting customers behind the wheel uh, of these cars the same way you would drive a 911 around these circuits. And customers are, are just fascinated, and the big smiles are as big as they are when they come out of the 911, so it's it's great to see. Yeah, I guess it, it's. I, I would imagine that... Um I mean, I'm even thinking for myself because I think electric and I think it's not going to drive as well as a combustion engine car, but that's really not the case. They, you're really perfecting it so that it's still that, again, going back to that driving experience. Well, I'm going to take a note here to make sure that we get Joanne to one of our next driving experiences here. So, Oh, I'm uh, good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> we need to get you behind the wheel of a Taycan on a track. Right, because I, I have a lot to say about these cars these days since I rent them all the time. So I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm well aware of all the differences and how they're all computers. Um, so is, do you think that this whole push, it, not just with Porsche, but with other companies towards electric vehicles, is that a, has that been more of a response to consumer demand? I mean, I know there are some countries that we're not one of them at this point that have really given Maybe we will be, we'll see what happens with this infrastructure bill, but we're not really giving incentives where some countries are. Is it more the consumers are, want this more? I, I think it's a combination of uh, consumers uh, as well as uh, governments as well. You know, I, there's many countries out there that are, have already put timelines in place where uh, only electric cars and, you know, not next year or the year after, but. Uh, there's various timelines in place where only electric cars can be sold in those those countries. So, and the the development cycle of a car is is not a year or two. I mean, some of these development cycles can be five, seven years. So, you really need to be ahead of the curve. And unlike the the gas powered engine cars that we've been building for a hundred years, I mean, these cars are all new from the ground up. There's there's you know, the, all of the running gear and all of that, there's not much in terms of shared componentry. So uh, these are big investments that all the car companies are are making. But I think everyone is kind of seeing the future that consumers are looking for this and they may be at different levels, even within the U.S. Uh, certainly the West Coast has been the mm-hmm. early adopter uh, for electric vehicles, uh, a little more so than than here. But Uh, I think we're going to see it catch up here as well. And there's other countries that have been uh, early adopters, both from a legislation standpoint, but also from a consumer standpoint. So I think it's a combination of the two. The challenging part for any car company is how do you develop a car, you know, particularly if you are replacing a car, when do you decide to replace that car with an all-electric car, given that all the countries in the world might be at different stages of adoption of electric cars? So it's a real challenge uh, in terms of how we're going to do that. And, uh, I mean, we've already said, again, in the press that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll sell, for example, the Macan, both in the gas-powered version and the uh, electric version for a little while. But these are going to be two completely different cars. Um, so... That's that's a challenge. Is when do you flip that switch? Given the global landscape is so diverse, 
and that's that's something that a lot of manufacturers are, are hard at work at right now. Yeah, I do go back to the to the uh, the charging stations. How long does a charge last? Uh, well, that depends on your driving characteristics. So, and and it's also like, like well, that would be true for gas too, right? The stopping uh, going for sure, hundred uh, percent. There's a lot of different things that come into play with regards to your range. Um, you know, the Taycan that I was driving, I was getting about 260 miles uh, on that car. Um, driving like I would drive the the gas powered cars that I I would drive, right. and um, uh, but there's a different mindset as well with an electric car. There's a huge benefit, and I think which is one of the draws that a lot of people will have if you do have home charging. At you know, for if you have a home with a garage and you can outfit it, a lot of times for you know five hundred, depending on your electrical system in the house, you could get it done for five, six, seven hundred dollars. Again, it varies house by house. But every day you go home and you plug your car in. And, of course, you can set it so that it only charges at night uh, when you're sleeping. And that's when, of course, the, uh, the power charges are a little bit less. But that means every single morning when you wake up, your car is, is fully charged. Full tank, or, so to speak. Or, <laughs> exactly. Or it's actually recommended to be at an 80% charge. It actually is oh. better for the battery um, in that respect. Uh, but uh, you get that full tank, so to speak, every single day versus uh, what you have today where you go to a gas station and you, you know, you, you may be thinking you're going to be there once a week. And so you bypass that and think about all those cold winters up here where you no longer have to stand outside uh, pumping gas because every morning you wake up and your car is fully charged. So there's a lot of benefits, but it, it's a change in the way we use the car. And the idea that you can have it full every single day, in which case the range does not become as much of an issue. And we've actually found with a lot of the customers that uh, we've sold the car to, their feedback has been that uh, the range is, is really not much of an issue as they've adapted their lifestyle accordingly. Yeah, I mean, it's it, when you think about it, it's there's a mindset in there that just needs, to, again, to be adapted. Because if you think about it, we're all living in a world where, at least I am, where I go to bed at night and I, char- I plug my phone in. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of what I do because it's generally by the end of the day, it doesn't have a full charge anymore. And I can plug it in and, and I don't, we don't think about it. We're constantly plugging into something anymore with our other devices. Exactly. And then, you know, there, I think about it again, there's this huge benefit that every day, you know, you don't have to worry, you know, did I fill up yesterday? Did I, did I put enough gas in yesterday or do I need to stop off again to, uh, to top up? So there's some, some big benefits to, uh, to it. Not to mention that a charge is, is a lot less expensive. A full, you know, a full charge is a lot less expensive depending on when you're charging and, and a, a few factors, but it's always, uh, it's generally speaking, a, a fraction of what it would be to fill your tank. You would think, although I'm sure they're not thinking like this, that people who are in the oil industry and the gas industry would say, we should diversify and start to think about getting involved in this so that there's options. But my guess is that they're not really doing that. I can't speak on on their behalf, but I've certainly read that that uh, the, these companies are diversifying. Um, you know, any good company will diversify their portfolio, but uh, I don't know specifics from from one oil company to another. Yeah, that's uh, just it just popped in my head, and it couldn't. You know, once these things pop in my head, I can't push them back in. Um, so how? Uh, it, it didn't seem to me that the auto industry surprisingly got as hard hit as other industries during the pandemic. Can you talk about that? And obviously specifically to Porsche. 
Certainly. Uh, I would say that uh, in the months where the, the pandemic first started, so March, April, May, uh, those months were definitely hit. Uh, I mean, we were all locked inside and no one left. And uh, we had in, in my area, we had a number of dealerships close. Uh, they closed their sales departments. Some service departments kept, were, were left open uh, in order to maintain cars, particularly for essential workers that needed to get from A to B. But uh, those months were, were certainly tough. And I remember those months and they were filled, I think, with everybody that is probably listening with a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. in terms of what would the future hold. We were fortunate as we got into May and June uh, and July, we, we started to see a rebound and we started to see that people were becoming even more interested in personal mobility. Uh, and so as a result, it was it was starting to drive our sales. And I think people were also, as you said, you know, a Porsche is something that you know, in a lot of cases, people are rewarding themselves uh, and, and it's, it's something that they're going to have fun with. And it's something they can have fun with, with their immediate family and enjoy it uh, in a in a space that's safe at that time. So I think that was driving a little bit of the the sales as well. And, uh, and then as things kind of progressed and things started to open up a little bit more, the sales continued. So we've been very fortunate. Um, always remind Myself and team members and our dealers, we've been very fortunate. We know some industries have not been as fortunate, and hopefully they're starting to recover now as we're starting to get to a more normal open state. But uh, we, we worked through it, and uh, customers were, were still there a few months later. And there you go. And now we're seeing the, end, the light at the end of the tunnel. How did you personally make it through this pandemic? Soon I will, I'll stop, have to stop asking these questions of my, of my guests because hopefully we'll really officially be it'll on the be a distant, It'll be a distant memory soon. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I don't know how distant it's ever going to get. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, I think everybody is, is uh, I think everybody would answer this, the question very similarly in that we all learn to use technology a lot more than ever before and and become efficient and effective at it and learn how to do it and learn how to be patient with uh, other things that people had going on in their lives, whether it be dogs and kids and and all of that. And, uh, and it just created a new norm in that respect. And I think it's, you know, the, if there is a, a silver lining, I think it is something that will continue. And I think a lot of companies will now not necessarily go back to exactly the way things were before uh, and and sort of do a bit of a hybrid because you can do you can work more efficiently mm-hmm. um, through the technology that we've been using however one thing we all miss and anyone that I speak to certainly can has said this uh, we all miss that that in-person interaction mm-hmm. and I was fortunate that I was able to develop relationships uh, before, uh, the pandemic hit. So while I was still relatively new to the job, I had visited a lot of people in person and uh, built some of these relationships in advance. I, I can't imagine having started a position without having built relationships in person. And there's really no substitute for that. And I think we're all looking forward to getting back together again. And, you know, we're, we're I've been traveling again uh, and visiting dealers across the area, which has been fantastic to see people in person again. 
We're actually going to be doing our first in-person training session in well over a year. In fact, when we launched the Taikon, uh, there was a it w- in March or we, we were when we were launching it last year. We actually had a a Taikon training event going on at the time, and halfway through, we had to abandon it, of course, as the lockdowns hit. And of course, we're now restarting, and and we're going to be doing some. Uh, Tycon refreshers and launching the new Cross Turismo as well, and doing it all in person. So it's great to see, and I think everybody is just just can't wait to get back together and and see everybody they haven't seen for for well over twelve months, fourteen, fifteen months. No, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And just the noticing for me, it's just like there's so much more that I notice even when I'm out now. It's like I didn't notice that before, and you're just paying more attention and just being in the company of other people is it's a gift yeah and you know it's it's times like that which help you take stock and uh and appreciate the things that maybe you were taking for granted before uh going you know enjoying a night out at a restaurant uh and having people around you and meeting people and talking to the you know people at the table next to you i mean these are things that you would take for granted but uh, boy, you know, even when when we were able to go into restaurants, uh, you know, you, you, you wouldn't want to talk to anybody around you for fear of of it being inappropriate. So, yeah, it's it's great that we're on this path. I think we can all be thankful for that. And uh, I think to you know to, to put a a cap on your question, we all got a lot better at using technology. I think that's mm-hmm. going to stay. But I think we're all anxious to get back together and see people in person. And I think the future will we'll see some kind of uh, hybrid between the two. I'm with you. Okay. But before we wrap up, I like to, I've been ending my podcast with a little lightning round of questions. You don't have to think too, too much, just whatever pops in your head. Um, And I'm going to start with your favorite social network. Of course, I know you don't have too big a social presence because I checked that out already. I mean, you're you're right. I'm I'm uh, on LinkedIn, and that's uh, pretty much what I check every day. With that said, I do check Twitter every day. I have a bunch of sites and news agencies that I check every day, as well as Instagram. I have all of our dealers. Actually, I've, I'm following all of them. So my Instagram is a flood of of Porsche updates from 71 dealers across uh, across the area, which is really cool. It helps me keep. Uh, up to Keep date up to with date. what they're doing and you know sometimes you'll see something that you're wow i didn't realize that you know this dealer was doing that whether it be an event you know we had one dealer the other day just wanted to do a quick cars and coffee on a saturday morning at eight o'clock and and as an example of what we were talking about and you know, 200 people show up for for cars and coffee yeah. and and this is just uh, again that desire for people to want to get back together and then you share that on social media and uh, more people learn about it and the next one even more people show up so it's really cool I find it very convenient um, I don't participate in it a lot in terms of posting maybe I should do a little more of that but uh, those are I would say the the top three for me those are your top three okay something people would never guess about you. Something people would never guess about me. Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I'm not sure. That's a that's a tough one. I'm not sure. I mean, okay. I've already said that I'm Italian, but I guess that would be easy given that would uh, be my easy. last I think name. That, quite frankly, I think the Canadian part because you don't sound like you're Canadian, except you are very polite, and I think Canadians are so much more polite than we are here in the states. See, I would have said that, but. 
I've been told, and it, it took a few months for people to tell me, but I've been told I have a Canadian accent. Maybe some of the listeners can can hear it. But uh, the big one is the process process difference, and uh, that that usually gives me away. So, um, yeah. So there you go. The last series you binged. Oh boy, this weekend was uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of series uh, that that we've been uh, watching here because uh, there's there's a lot of time certainly when it's raining outside. Um, there's a few that are Mosquito Coast is actually a pretty cool one that I just started watching. Uh, there was only I think five or six episodes, but I really really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed that one so far. It's pretty cool. Okay, great. Most used app on your phone. Most use, does my email count? I mean, yes, it does. <laughs> it sure does. I think the email would, uh, <laughs> would definitely be the top app. Uh, it sure does. A food you cannot live without. Oh, my go-to uh, food that uh, I just don't know what I would do without would be pizza. That's probably a boring answer, but uh, mm-hmm. I just, I just uh, can't, can't do it. I, certainly in moderation these days, but I uh, just love a good thin, thin pizza. Thin crusted. There you go. Yeah. What you miss most about pre-COVID life? You kind of answered that already, but yeah, the the, the people. I mean, the, the, people. the, the people interaction, uh, talking to people in person, uh, being out and uh, and seeing people in person. That's that's by far what I miss. What I miss the most, and I would say as a second to that, the flexibility to travel. Uh, obviously, I still have family in Canada. And being able to travel back and forth is still rather difficult. Um, and uh, there's still a lot of quarantines and things like that involved. So the, the travel limitation is is pretty tough. In fact, I had to, uh, for Christmas, we had to move Christmas uh, in order for me to finish my quarantine. And so we had Christmas, I think it was on the 27th or the 28th in order for my quarantine to be finished. And then we had Christmas. So uh, that's the other thing is the ability to travel a little bit more freely than, uh, than still even today, the restrictions are there. So, Okay. And one last question. What is the one thing you would want your 25 year old self to know? Oh boy. Uh, that's another, another good one. I would, uh, the 25 boy, I had no idea where I would be going in life, what my career would be like. And I would say when I started working, I was very uh, hesitant to make big changes and take risks. And it was only when I did make those changes and those risks uh, and and learned from them and evolved from them that I thought, wow, this is great. You could really grow personally, professionally. And uh, I would say to my 25-year-old self, uh, it's okay take those risks. Uh, you're young. I would say, you know, for example, moving to another country, I waited many years before moving to another country. I had a few opportunities earlier on in my career. Uh, maybe I would have told my 25 year old self when they come up, uh, jump on them, go for it. Uh, they build your life experiences. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. John, it has been a pure delight to have you on the podcast. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, I would say LinkedIn. Would that be a, a, the, best, the best? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm available on LinkedIn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. 
If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember, whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there. Mm-hmm.